Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into a special edition of Wire Sports Weekly as we are live here from the Marquette Radio Studio on the second floor of Johnston Hall. And now that it's November, the calendar's changed to November, you know what that means. Marquette basketball is right around the corner. And with the Marquette Tribune coming out with the Golden Eagle edition today, who I thought some really great people to bring in would be both of our assistant sports editors, Ben Schultz and Ava Mayers. Ben will be covering the men's team this year, and while Ava will be covering the women's teams, guys, were how was your how was your Halloween? It was good. How about you? I was pretty solid. Just put on my my Spider Man onesie, worked on some homework, worked on some spotting boards for a couple of broadcasts coming up, but overall it was pretty good. Um, mine was spent in Johnson Hall in the newsroom pretty late last night, helping put together the the Golden Eagle edition. But I think it looks pretty good, so I'm excited for how it turned out. Not the biggest Halloween guy either, so not too upset that I didn't do too much for it. Yeah, it's one of those weird holidays in college and everything. But we're we're here to talk about some basketball, not some hockey, uh, not some excuse me, Halloween. But um, uh, Ben, I'm gonna go ahead and start with you since you you're covering the men's team this year. Where just kind of give us a, a brief preview of where the men's team is kind of at at this point with less than a week before the season starts. Yeah, so they're coming into the season, they're losing three starters Daryl Marcel, Justin Lewis, Kirk Uh Those guys were all pretty, pretty big pieces, pretty big, um, important players. Daryl and Justin both led the team in scoring last year. Uh, they're both in the NBA now. Um, and then Kerr was just a massive center. Um, wasn't like the strongest player, but was very good at deflecting, um, challenging guys at the rim. So it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, sort of fill those spots. Uh, Cam Jones might be the guy who fills in for Daryl a little bit more um, from a scoring perspective, and Stevie Mitchell might pick up the slack defensively. Uh, but it's going to be really interesting to see how they uh, replace a guy like Justin Lewis, who was so dominant, so good for that Marquette roster. Oh, so has looked pretty good preseason. He looks much stronger uh, than he has the first two years. So replacing Kerr uh, there might be um, how they do it. But then Omax looks pretty good. Uh, they got a bunch of young players, young pieces, who have an, a year of experience underneath Shaka as well as a couple first years um, and a transfer in NAIA player, uh, Zach Reitzel, um, who just won every award you can win at that level. So it'll be interesting. I think they'll be slow start. Maybe not a slow start because they'll have a couple bye games, but once Big East play comes, they have a ridiculously difficult stretch um, at the end of November, um, maybe at the end of November into December and January part of it. Um, so that will be interesting to see um, how they battle and um, how they respond to being tested so early on in the season. Yeah, they have Baylor in Wisconsin back-to-back in the same week, November 29th and then December 3rd. But we'll get into the rest of those guys and potentially point they play o- at Purdue as well in, that, in a crazy stretch. Purdue's going to be pretty good. I know they're losing Jaden Ivey, but Zach Eady at 7-4 is just going to be very difficult for them to handle as well as some of their other new and improving players uh, there uh, in West Lafayette. Yeah, it's going to be a tough stretch for, for the men's teams. We'll get to the rest of those guys and point oh so and all those guys in a few minutes. But Ava, I want to shift it over to you. Like the men's team, the women's team also losing some big starters. Chris McLaughlin, even though she was only here for a year. And then obviously the big piece in, in Lauren Van Clunen. So how is this Marquette team looking to replace 
both the three-point production from McLaughlin, but also the leadership from the both of them and the, the scoring punch down low with Lauren Van Clunen. Yeah, I mean, obviously both those players had a huge impact on this team. And, um, well, now you'll see in the Golden Eagle edition, I have a story on um, how they're going to replace LVK coming out. Good plug, but good en- plug. <laughs> but anyways, basically, it's not one player that's going to take this spot. Um, it's kind of they have this next man up team mentality, whereas no matter what, there's going to be somebody on the bench ready to fill the next position. Um, so they just kind of work with that anyways. So being able to come together as a team, they all know their roles are going to have to be bigger this year. Um, it's really just a matter of everybody stepping up in their leadership and roles and not just like who's going to be the one person to do that, rather coming together as a team to fulfill those gaps that um, LVK and McLaughlin left. So who are some of those players that are going to potentially have to fill those gaps like the most out of everyone on the team? I mean, Chloe Murata's always had a huge voice on the team, so that's no question. Her leadership is so prominent. But um, Liza Carlin, I definitely think, will be stepping up this year. She had a great season last year. She started to find her footing, and now she's able to run with it. Um, During media day, she mentioned how her voice just needs to be more bigger on the court, and that's what they've been working on. Um, Also, Jordan King, too, of course, going to be that starting guard position this year. Um, she, their roles have just become not necessarily bigger, but their voices have. And I think that's, what's going to lead them to that larger leadership position. Yeah. And even in the story I did for the Golden Eagle, have to plug myself a little <laughs> bit. Uh, I talked to, to Claire Kafis and even mm-hmm. though she was out all of last year with, with that ACL injury, she was able to find herself a bigger voice, but we'll get into all that yes. in, in a little bit. Uh, uh, speaking of Golden Eagle stories, Ben, let's shift over to yours, at least on the men's side of things, with your story in Olivier Maxson's Prosper. I know the big focus for you was the fact that for the first time in a while, this is the first time that he's been at the same program for the second year in a row. Where were you able to learn him where he's at at this point in his second year with Marquette? Yeah, it seems like he's significantly more comfortable in what he's doing, like in in terms of like the facility, the who's coaching him um he worked with like the nba global academy which is not necessarily like a team you're with a bunch of guys so it's not as easy to like find your footing kind of know what you're doing you're not necessarily on that team playing a bunch of games with the same guys each and every day um and then in high school he also played um at an academy in illinois for i believe two years a year at least um and so that was something that we kind of talked about um, just trying to find that comfort. Um, and Cody Hat was really good about how important it is to get a second year under your belt or go into a second year with the same people all around you, same facilities. Just like it helps you more than from a basketball perspective. But then for Omax, he's just an extremely athletic player. And so building on his shot, building on his defense, he's going to have to guard some of the best players in the country this year. Like they host Baylor, which is a massive mm-hmm. game. They have someone who, uh, Keontae George, who's a guard, 6'4 guard, maybe 6'5, but he is looking like a top 10 pick. Like, had a crazy summer uh, for Baylor. Uh, they had a little, some fun trips, um, and he just looked so good. Uh, but then, like, a Cam Whitmore from Villanova, he's going to likely be the one matching up against him. Um, against Wisconsin, it might be like a Tyler Wall, who was preseason Big Ten. 
So he's going to have the toughest matchup, most likely, on the wing in every game that they play. And they're expecting more out of him offensively. He likes to shoot from the corner, but he's such a violent driver. He likes to get to the rim, finish around the rim in different ways. Um, And so I think his production offensively is going to have to increase while also being one of the most important defenders on the team. So that was kind of what I took away, but he's also just a great kid. Yeah, I I like doing that that audio version of the story. Make sure you listen on SoundCloud and Spotify. But, um, yeah, he seemed like a really nice guy, and I'm interested to see where he can – elevate his game moving forward but um as as normal with all these preview type of shows i have to get you guys on record with some predictions and all that kind of stuff so we'll start with the a few simple ones here we'll start with who do you guys think is going to be the team mvp for both the men's and women's i'm going to ask the both of you uh for each for each team ava i'll start with you team mvp for the men's and the women's team um for women's i'm gonna just have to go with chloe Murata last dance she's always had such a big marquette voice really bleeds um blue and gold so her as an mv the mvp just makes sense um for men's that's a little difficult <laughs> i don't know i mean we just talked about i love omax like the name omax like i think <laughs> omax prosper you cannot be born with a better name like they I his agree. name sets him up for success <laughs> so i don't know i guess i'm going omax <laughs> That is a perfectly valid reason to go with Omax there. But, uh, Ben, what, what about you? Um, I think on the women's side, I think it's going to be Jordan King. I know she was preseason uh, Big East. But the addition of Nia Clark to be able to handle some of the ball handling role, I think we're going to see Jordan just more points. Like I think she's going to be able to play off ball a little bit more, find her shot. She's not going to have to focus on setting up the offense as much as she did last year as the primary ball handler and so I think her scoring is just gonna go through maybe not through the roof but I think we're gonna see a higher amount of scoring maybe the assists drop off a little bit which isn't the end of the world especially if you have a guard like Nia Clark who's really good as well um but then on the men's side um I think it's Cam Jones um I've hyped him up a lot already I wrote a column about him national media is like really talking about this kid but mm-hmm. his offensive game just looks so much different yes. and better than last year, like from what we've been able to watch. Um, we knew he was a knockdown shooter. If he had even just like, if he could get a breath between him and his defender, he was shooting the thing <laughs> last year. Um, but now it looks like he can drive to the rim a way better. His finishing around the rim. When in high school, he was um, like the tallest player, second tallest player on his team, and he's a 6 4 guard. Um, so he kind of has that, but now he's bringing it to another level. His body looks good. He's playing significantly better defense, according to the coaches. Um, and so I think that he's set up to have a really good year, a big breakout year in his sophomore season. Also yeah. a solid name, Cam Jones. Great name. K1, they call him. So Ooh, great like nickname. That. I like that. Yeah, K1 or CP3. Just just kidding. You don't have to answer that. But um. <laughs> I'm going to go with K1. I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, now, we'll go a little bit different here. We'll go with who do you think is going to be like the under-the-radar player that people aren't necessarily talking about right now, but let's say by December or January, they're going to be a big piece to their respective team. Ava, who do you think that's going to be on the, the women's side? Mm-hmm. Start with Ben. Okay, Ben. ben. <laughs> on, the, on the women's side or the men's side? Uh, we'll we'll go with the men's side for you. 
Um, I think he starts at point guard. His name is Tyler Kolek. I think we're hearing a lot about <laughs> Oso, this point Oso stuff. Um, we're hearing about Omax. I obviously wrote the story. I think we're hearing about Joplin being a big scorer, Stevie um, improving his offensive game, Cam, like we just talked about. But Tyler was one of the best passers in the entire country last year. And then last year he shot not a great 28.1% from three, but in his first year at uh, George Mason, he was a knockdown shooter. I know he's worked on his shot a lot with Nevada Smith. Um, so I think uh, fans can expect to see his shot-making, shot creation um, grow even more, uh, shot creation for himself and even for more teammates. If teams, if he's able to force teams to go over screens um, and guard him in the pick-and-roll, like his pick-and-roll with Oso last year was so dominant. Um, so if he can make teams now go over the screen – that's going to make it even better. And if he hits that shot, it's just like a scary addition to a market roster that kind of needs to find some more scoring after losing Morcel and Justin. So that's what I'm going with. Ava, do you still need some more time or do you, do you have an answer? No, I got it. Well, I switched my answer than what I originally thought. But for under the radar, I'm going to have to go Micaiah Williams. I think okay. she's finally got like a year under her belt and she's going to get some more time this season. And I think she could really just, like, pop off. I like that. I think, yeah, the, she didn't get a ton of playing time last year, but I think with just some of the, the front court with this team, I think she's going to get at least a little, hopefully get a little bit more playing time for her sake. But for me personally, in terms of the men's team, I know I only went to the one, like, media day, uh, this I think a week ago, Thursday, but it was it was Chase Ross. I think he brings some... I don't know. I think his athleticism is underrated, but I think he can be a solid, like defender off the bench to kind of spell like uh, Stevie Mitchell or some of the other guards on this team. And I think he's he's going to surprise some people a little bit. I think he can be a, a contributor like day one with this team. And in terms of the women's, I know I wrote a story about her, but I'm going to Claire Kafis. Mm-hmm. Obviously, coming off the injury, and she's going to bring some three point shooting and some versatility to this team. And when I talked with her and some of the coaches, they were all like, oh, yeah, she brings that tough and that grit, that grit and grind attitude. I mean, she's still wearing a knee brace. She was diving on the floor. She took a charge from 6'4", Juliana Okasun <laughs> during that practice. So it's really spreading to the whole team in that mindset. But I think the with the loss of Chris McLaughlin, you need more three-point shooting. And while I think early on she's going to struggle just to – get off the rust and everything i think she'll end up being like a really valuable asset moving forward but uh, can i talk about chase ross really quick go ahead i think he's gonna have a similar role to stevie last year stevie's three-point shot wasn't that good but like he's throwing down some ridiculous dunks he looks really athletic i don't think he's gonna play that much like eight minutes a game maybe his average and not seeing the floor every game kind of like joplin last year like you just use them when you need like a little bit more athleticism on the court because the shot isn't it's not bad but it's not great um he wasn't the most highly rated recruit either so that just typically lends to not playing the most in your first year seems to be like one of the guys that Shaka wants to develop be here for four years um and so i think that's kind of where we're at on chase ross like he's gonna throw down some crazy plays some highlight plays this year but i don't think he's gonna have like the biggest impact and then off the bench for women's, like Micaiah Williams, I like that take because an- losing Antoinette Walker and Danny Middleton to the transfer portal, that is just going to be a massive part. And then Claire Kafez shooting off the bench, that's going to be key. 
but Micaiah Williams has some size. Um, she's going to be able to play the wing guard multiple positions, I think. Um, and so that would be very interesting to see how both of those players uh, fit into the rotation and how they work out. Yeah, I'm excited to see well both Coach Duffy and Coach Smart uh, deploy these deploy these players. But uh, moving on a little bit, what is a game that you two, for your respective beats, you're looking forward to either most as uh, just looking forward to the most, whether you're going to cover it, not going to cover it, just or just looking forward to watch? Um, for me, it's going to be December 3rd inside the, Al- not the Al McGuire Center, <laughs> Pfizer Forum. Um, when Wisconsin takes the trip down I-94 to be back in Pfizer Forum, the last time they played there, there was no fans, but Justin Lewis had a tip in. Um, Micah Potter didn't know how to box out or something. Something <laughs> happened there. Not too sure what what he was doing, but they got throttled last year by Wisconsin yep. in Madison inside the Kohl Center. So I think um, in Shaka's second season, they're going to put a bigger emphasis on beating that team. I know Cam Jones really doesn't like Wisconsin <laughs> as I don't think anyone else on the team mm-hmm. does particularly, but Jam- Cam Jones made it particularly known. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited for that one. In-state rivalry is always fun, um, especially because they don't play Milwaukee or any of the other schools like that. And Wisconsin obviously the biggest brand in the state um, from that perspective. Ava, for, for the women's side? Well, I mean, they're going to the Bahamas this season. Are you going? Are you going? Well, I'm trying to get Duffy to take me along but <laughs> I don't think she will but I think that like that's just awesome like fun in general like mm-hmm. the environment there that's got to be so cool and so I think the when they play they play Texas first mm-hmm. there and then you know if they win move on it depends but um, I think that will for sure be an interesting game and it'll be fun too I mean that location in general um, other than that you know Milwaukee is always a fun one when they play um this year, it's at the Al McGuire Center right off the bat on November 13th. So that'll definitely be something to look forward to. Always love. Not even, you know, not even in-state. It's like in-town rivalry. Mm-hmm. So, so like that one. That cross-town rivalry is going to be fun. Uh, for me, on the men's side, I'm going to have to agree with Ben. It's going to be the Wisconsin game, partially because I'm also broadcasting that one. It's going to be a nice Saturday afternoon, 3.30 start. Get out of there by 5.30 <laughs> at some point. But it should be a fun one to call. But honestly, my other choice would be Thursday, November 10th, Central Michigan. That game is actually going to be played at the Al McGuire Center. So that's just going to be an insane atmosphere. I don't remember the last time the men's teams played inside the Al McGuire Center. It was the NIT in 2018. So, yeah, it's been over four years at this point since the last time they played. That's going to be a fantastic atmosphere. Students only as well. Exactly. That's that's going to be huge. Uh, And then for the women's side... I'm going to have to, yeah, I think it's anytime they play UConn, it's always interesting, especially Mm -hmm. with UConn losing uh, Paige Beckers potentially again for the season. Um, And they just lost a very highly rated freshman too. And I don't remember the injury, but I know they lost a very highly rated freshman. uh, Things are going to be interesting up there in stores, Connecticut. But uh, I want to play a little game with you guys. We're going to borrow it from our friends at MUTV. We're going to do a bit of a lightning round version of this or that. So just give quick answers as possible, and we'll we'll just go from there. Uh, for the both of you, David Joplin or Olivier Maxens Prosper will be leading the team in scoring for the men. Um, I don't think it'll be either. I think it'll be Cam Jones, but if I'm picking between the two, I'm going Omax because he should be in the starting lineup. Yeah, I'd go Omax as well. I don't think Joplin's going to 
start necessarily, at least not right off the bat. But that's my take. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I, I could I could see that. It's going to be interesting with that whole front court situation whether Shaka decides to go three guards or three forwards. But we'll see what he decides to do. Um, Mackenzie Hare or Emily LaChapelle will be the more impactful first year player for the women's team. Emily LaChapelle is a top 100 recruit. She has a three level score. She may not start right away, but I think she finds her way into the starting lineup, and she's going to have to be impactful uh, if Marquette wants to play in the postseason this year. So I'm going to go with Emily LaChapelle and because I wrote a story on her. <laughs> I, I too have to, I mean, I'm not, not to copy Ben's answers, but <laughs> Emily LaChapelle. I mean, just watching her um, at that open practice on fire. I mean, the way the whole, you'll see in Ben's story, the whole team went to her state tournament here in Wisconsin. So she's also got that like home fan base too. I think she's going to be incredible. Yeah, I think. It's hard for me because Mackenzie here is from around the area that I grew up. She's so, a Packer fan, though. Let's not talk about that. It's bad enough I had to hear it trying to make that story, but let's, let's just not talk about it. Um, moving on, uh, will Cam Jones or Oso Iguodaro make an all-Big East team this season? Um, if either of them is going to make it, I'm going to go with Cam Jones. I think the Big East has so many good big men, so it's just going to be harder there for Oso. And if Cam Jones can put up numbers like we've kind of already talked about, like ridiculous numbers, it's going to be hard to leave a high-scoring guard off of a team like that. But I think it'll still matter like how they play in the Big East. But I'm going Cam Jones, K1. Yeah, no, K1 or Omax. I mean, I like both the names yeah. very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, just for fun go opposite event i'll say oh max i like cam k1 that's a i don't know but just to <laughs> just to make an nil deal with that somehow. yeah <laughs> yes yes uh maybe some i don't know if they can do signature shoes or not or like do like a k1 like barbecue sauce like a1 maybe or Ooh, a shirt that's, that's he's from good. memphis too so that might Ooh. be kind of sick some yeah, memphis barbecue is. sauce k1 k1 barbecue sauce k1 memphis heat or something that would be fun that is good Okay. Okay. I'm. Man, I'm hungry. What the heck? <laughs> patent that or something. Yeah. Well, I gotta. I gotta copyright it now before he. Yeah. Gets it. <laughs> he can buy it from me. Exactly. Um. All right. Last question here. Which transfer student will bring more impact to their respective team? Will it be Nia Clark on the women's side or Zach Wrightsill to, uh, the men's? Um. I think Nia is gonna bring more immediate impact because, she's gonna help. Jordan play off the ball a little bit and Zach Reitzel is coming off a knee scope and I not that he isn't back and fully healthy because they were telling us that he is but he just missed a couple months of development uh, with the team so I think implementing him is going to take a little bit longer than it will with Nia and the women's team has some ridiculously difficult games early on in the season like we've already talked about so I think that her impact playing with Duffy years and years ago is going to just lead her to bring a bigger impact early on the experience playing in the Big East already also just helps Nia from that aspect I'd agree for sure because I mean she's already been with Duffy she's already got that sense of like you know they're comfortable together a little bit um and I mean it's no joke what she can do with the ball either so just already having that you know sense of being comfortable plus on top of her skill set, I think that's immediate impact right there. Um, you know, Zach, John's article 
is fantastic. He's clearly got that winner mentality. Um, but I tweeted do, it. Yeah, <laughs> he tweeted it out too. So it must be true. He owned but, it. <laughs> um, I think he'll definitely make an impact, but not right away. I think that's going to be more of a slow build. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, but that was that was a fun game, guys. Thank you so much for that. But before we get out of here, I have a couple more things I want to ask you guys. Uh, first, uh, Abe, I'll start with you. Obviously, the Big East, uh, the rankings, the coaches poll that came out uh, about a almost a couple weeks ago. Uh, obviously, they had UConn at number one, and then they have Marquette at number six behind Seton Hall, DePaul, Villanova, and Creighton. I just want to get your general reaction to Marquette being six. I think after last year being ranked at number three or number four? Four preseason. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I'm not, like, surprised by it, per se. I think I'd – well, I mean, DePaul and Seenhall tied for their right. points there. But I think they're better than sixth, and I think they'll show that. But I mean, of course, UConn at the top, DePaul, Seton Hall, they're all Villanova. I mean, they're all great teams. It just depends how hard Marquette's willing to work, especially, you know, getting those difficult um, games right off the bat, building some confidence. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be, I think that's more so the strength of the Big East Conference at this point. I mean, Creighton had a really, I think he had five teams or four teams last year from the Big East make the tournament. UConn, DePaul, Creighton, Villanova. Villanova still has Maddie Segrist. Uh, it's it's going to be an insane stretch for, for Marquette this season. But uh, moving on to the men's side, once again, Marquette f- uh, finished, predicted to finish ninth in the Big East for the second year in a row, finished sixth last year. Uh, ben, just your overall thoughts. Creighton picked number one just ahead of uh, Xavier. So just general thoughts to the poll and where Marquette's at. I think it's fair. Uh, Marquette really doesn't have anyone like super proven. Last year, the addition of Daryl Marcel, we kind of knew what he was. or Mar- like The country kind of knew what he was at, at Maryland. He came trying to prove they could score the ball a little bit more. I think he did that, but there just isn't like a proven player at the Big East level, Division One level, yet or on this team, they haven't asserted themselves. So there's a lot of unknown within the roster. I, I'm sure Shaka knows what he's doing, but it just mm-hmm. doesn't like there is a lack of experience. Um, I know they made the tournament last year, but I just don't think like fans should have the highest of expectations going into Shaka's second season, especially with the loss of caliber players like Justin and Daryl. I don't think it's even like a lack of like Division One Big East players. It's a lack of like a star or a lead player on this team. Because I think a lot of these guys, obviously last year were were really solid like role players. Honestly, because you had Justin and Daryl who could kind of lead the offense, but then Omax was kind of your your wing three and D player. Tyler was your uh, Kolek was your facilitator. Cam Jones was kind of your spark plug off the bench, your sixth sixth man of the year, essentially. But now these guys are being asked to uh, have a lot, a much bigger role and expected to be those, those elite players. And they're all young, too. Like, none of them have the most experience. So I think the young factor in it is a big part of it. Um, so, like, next year is when it's really when maybe they make a jump into that, that top four, top three kind of, position in the Big East depending on how they play last year's 
if someone asserts himself, if Omax makes a big jump offensively this year, um, and then next year you got a full year of experience, you got two years under Shaka for most of them, um, I think that's going to be a, a big part. Like Next year is the season where Marquette fans and the country might see Marquette take the bigger jump because Shaka wants to build the guys. He doesn't necessarily – when he gets a transfer, he's not hitting a home run necessarily. Mm-hmm. He wants a guy that fits for him and not maybe that doesn't fit the eye test or like the, the wow factor in a, in a transfer. I'm sure he's going to get some in the future, but that's not what he's doing right now. He's trying to build and set a culture and – in your second season, I think that's okay. Yeah, I definitely will agree with that. With all of that said, uh, Ben, I will start with you. What are your official, totally official, totally can't be subject to change, uh, Big East predictions and postseason predictions for uh, the Marquette men's team? Um, I think they finish, the men's team finishes eighth, and then I think if you finish outside the top seven, you shouldn't be playing postseason basketball. Um, <laughs> so I don't Fair think enough. Marquette will be uh, playing postseason basketball this year, aside from the Big East tournament, unless they pull some crazy run like Georgetown did a couple seasons ago. Yeah, we'll we'll see if they can pull some uh, some Patrick Ewing magic uh, with with Shaka Smart. Now, Ava, after everything we've talked about, what are your official Big East and uh, postseason prediction for the Marquette women's team? Um, I think Big East they might be able to pull fourth or fifth and possibly make it into the tournament realistically though probably not I'm gonna I mean I think they'll be right there on the end but then Mm -hmm. you know um I do think they might be able to have a run in the NIT again um yeah (laughs) I wish I could be more optimistic (laughs) no it's okay but no it's okay I mean you thinking like if they make the NIT it's basically like they get to the round of 32 and that's yeah. where okay mm-hmm. I I can see where you're coming from especially with a lot of new players a lot of young players on this team and I could definitely yeah. see that for myself uh men's side I'm gonna say hmm I think the men's will end up I think I said that they would finish sixth or seventh I can't remember off the top of my head uh, but I don't think they're going to make the tournament even if they finish inside the top seven and they'll probably end up making like the second round or the quarterfinals of the NIT at that point. And then for the women's team, I believe I, I predicted them to finish third, which would easily put them in a spot to to make the tournament. And I think I'd said the furthest they get was also the round of 32. So it's going to be exciting. Of the NCAA tournament or the NIT? And, and NCAA tournament. I haven't finished in third. So if they're, if they're third and not in the NCAA tournament, there's either some really great conferences out there, which there are, or just something weird just happens. Um, but it's going to be a really exciting season. Before I let you guys go, what is your bold prediction for your respective beats? Ava, I will start with you. I guess my bold prediction would be if the women's team finishes fourth in the Big East. That would be like my bold fair. my bold prediction. Ben for the men's? I think we uh my, we might see David Joplin play in the starting lineup at some point. Shaq's talked a lot about his scoring. Jobs talked about how he's in the best shape he's ever been in. Um if he can pick it up defensively. Um, cuz I don't know that Reitzel will start um, it's kind of between those two, I think, from like the forward perspective. And I think if Jop just asserts himself offensively, uh, there's no reason he shouldn't or couldn't be in the starting lineup at some point. Just maybe you pick the games where you want him to start. 
Um, or if you want him off the bench the whole year to be that spark plug off the bench, I totally understand that. But I think he'll find his way into the starting lineup at some point. But not for the rest of the season. He'll just there'll be games where where he's in there. Yeah, I I could definitely see that uh, for sure. Um, guys, this was a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be exciting season of coverage for the both of you. Where can people find you on Twitter to to follow all your great coverage as the season gets rolling? Um, I'm Ben Schultz fifty two. I'm just about that on everything. So that's where I'll be at tweeting mubb constantly. <laughs> and just Ava Mayers mu. Is that a capital M and a U at the end? You betcha. All right, fantastic. And for those wondering, it's Jackson Gross MU on Twitter. Uh, guys, thank you so much. I'm really excited to get the basketball season rolling. And make sure everyone out there, both uh, listening on the live right now or on the podcast later, that make sure to follow everyone at the Marquette Wires. Basketball season is six days away. The women's will open up at home at 12 o'clock noon. So, just don't tell your professors you want to skip a class for a basketball game as they'll be playing uh, Farley Dickinson. And the men will also be playing on November 7th against Radford at 7.30 inside the Pfizer Forum. And I'll be on the call for that. That's going to be fun. And me and our executive sports editor, John Liuzzi, will be on uh, covering that game for Baseline and Recap. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And let's get ready for a great Marquette, uh, Marquette basketball season.